waiting for my brother to come out of my parents' bedroom. Because, you know, being uh, brothers 15 months apart, you know, we got to wrap each other's presents. And so my brother, my younger brother, was was in my parents' bedroom with my mom, and they're, they're wrapping, I knew it, my presents. And so when he comes out, you know, being brothers, what did we do? We whispered to each other, I'll tell you the present you got that I wrapped for you if you tell me the present I got, right? Well, you, you, you've probably done that You're, or, or looked throughout the house, right? It's all about the presence, right? Uh, today, I would like to take you to a, a text in Scripture where it's all about the presence. In Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse 23, if you wouldn't mind uh, turning with me to that that text in Scripture. And by the way, if you need a Bible, please uh, raise your hand. Uh, the guys in the back would be glad to, get, to give you a, a, a new King James Version of the Bible. In, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it reads this. And, and you, you've heard this many, many times. You read this every single uh, year at Christmas time. We, we, we probably heard this, uh, you know, uh, tens if not hundreds of times over the years. It says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And so, Father, today I, I thank you for that privilege that, that we have this time of year Remembering the present that you sent to us, the gift, the, the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And so, so Father, today I, I ask that you would open up our eyes uh, to help us to see what it truly means for you, our present, to be in our present in the present, to, to understand that that you are here with us now in our presence as the gift of God to us. Emmanuel, open up our eyes today. Give us your wisdom. Help us to understand. We love you in Jesus' name. Uh, we pray, amen and amen. You see this, this text, Matthew 1, 23, we, we you know, write it on Christmas cards, we, we have it in our house, we hear it this time of year, but so many times we truly don't understand what it actually means. This is actually taken from an Old Testament text, way back 700 years written ago in the time of Isaiah. It's quoted from Isaiah chapter uh, 7. And if you turn with me to Isaiah uh, chapter 7, uh, we read this. In fact, starting in verse 10, we read this verse. Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. God, through Isaiah, the prophet, is asking Ahaz a question. 
something most of us wish God would ask us. He's saying, ask me anything you want. The more impossible, the better. Whether it's to the heights of heaven or to the depths of the lowest part of hell. And I will do it. A guaranteed wish. Anything you want, the more improbable, the more impossible, the better. Ahaz, by the way, he gets frustrated with God. What are you doing with me? Trying my patience, he says in the next two verses. Uh, Verses 12 and 13, Ahaz says this. But Ahaz said, I will not ask you, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, hear now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men, but you weary not uh, God also? Verse 14, the very verse that is quoted in Matthew 1.23, the impossible is promised. The most improbable thing that you could ever think of is promised to human beings. What does it say in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. I'm going to do something impossible. Something that is beyond human comprehension to do. Behold a virgin. Uh, Someone, a a woman, a, a girl never been married, never known a man, is going to bear a child. We we understand this is the foundation of who we are as Christians, uh, the foundation of, of our belief system. Jesus must come, the Messiah must come through this process, a virgin. But not only that, You are to name him what? What does it say there? You shall call his name Emmanuel. Again, something impossible, something improbable, something beyond human comprehension. The definition given in Matthew 1.23, we all know it. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. You see, uh, there's three different terms that are, that are held very securely in this term, Emmanuel. God with us. God, the gift, the present, the, the, the thing that we see underneath that tree every single year that we look forward to in anticipation, even if you're as you know, old as Rod in the back there, or, or someone like Bob who, who, who may seem like they, they wouldn't want a gift, but you know if you give them a gift, they're willing to get it, right? They, they, they want to open up just as I was back there in, uh, you know, some whatever 40-something years ago when I was eight years old wishing I could open up that present. It, it, it's the present of God in our presence, our, our physical location with 
in the present now. Uh, Jesus, the present, in our presence, in the present. Do you understand? Emmanuel. I, I hopefully we'll be able to break apart this, this term, Emmanuel, as we, we go through this today. I want to look at the first part, gift or, or present. The, the presence that we receive. You see, Jesus was the present, right? Sent from heaven to this earth. Uh, We've all heard the verses uh, before. All all of us know this, right? Romans 6.23. What does Romans 6.23 say? For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Who who is the the gift? Who is the present? Sent from God. Jesus Christ. Or or 2 Corinthians 9.15, it says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That, That... impossible thing that was given to us, that that impossible coming to earth predicted some 700 years before in the book of Isaiah. Emmanuel, God with us, the present, the gift. Jesus Christ, indescribable, impossible to happen. Born of a virgin, Or Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. What does it say about Jesus? It is a gift of God. Or the most famous one that we know, John 3.16. You know it. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What did God do for us with his son? He gave us his son. The present. In our presence, in the present, the, the indescribable gift of God here with us now. Emmanuel, God with us. You, you see, it's, it's amazing to receive a present, right? It's amazing to, to have that anticipation and, and to know that there's there's something for me, right? Or, or even better, to watch your spouse or your kids receive something from you and, and them being in anticipation, waiting to open up their presence, right? You see, that's the way God was with us. He, he, he did something 
impossible, as it says in Isaiah. Improbable, something that's beyond human comprehension to even begin to understand a virgin giving birth to a son and then naming him Emmanuel, God with us. And then to have us read that again in Matthew 1.23. The prediction being fulfilled, the prophecy being fulfilled in Jesus. That baby born in a manger. The one we celebrate this time of year. Jesus is the present, the gift in our presence in the present. Second term of that, not not only the gift, the present, Jesus Christ, but he is with us. He he is in the most intimate way in us. A a location of presence within us. See, this is the most amazing thing that I can think of. This was the promise, not only a gift... Not only a, a present that is, that is given to us, but to have that present in our presence. You see, it's, it's one thing to have the present underneath the tree. But, but then when that present is given to you on your lap in your presence... What happens to that anticipation level? What do you want to do? You just want to rip it open, right? Or, or you know, I, I'm, I'm sure some of you make sure that it's, you know, keep the wrapping paper intact and, you know. But inside, you're really wanting to rip that paper open. I know it. No, the anticipation is there. The, uh, the that presence of having that present with you and then trying to discover what that is. You see, that, that's what the term God with us means. Not, not only just sitting on your lap, but in the most in, intimate part of our lives, located with us. You see, during the time that that this prophecy was written during the time of Isaiah, uh, God's presence was here on this earth, but he was in the temple. He, he was in the Holy of Holies. Uh, he, he was in the innermost part of the, the temple itself. And, and once a year, a, a single man, a, a high priest, was allowed to go into that temple, that, that Holy of Holies, and have communion with God and, and pray for the sins of the people. Uh, people had to go to God. The improbable is about to happen. God is going to come to us. God is going to be with us in the most intimate of ways. More intimate than any human uh, relationship. Emmanuel, God with us. The present in our presence in the present. You see... We see this throughout the Bible. In in Exodus chapter 33 verse 14, it says this. And he said, my presence 
with, will go with you, and I will give you rest. Do you understand what that means? Uh, God talking to the people of Israel as they're wandering out in the wilderness to, to have his presence with them. And everywhere they go, in his presence, there is rest. When that pillar of fire or that cloud that led the people of Israel, the presence of God, the very presence of God here on this earth, uh, would go to a certain place and, and settle down, the people would rest at that location. Or turn with me to Psalms chapter 21. What does it say in Psalms chapter 21, verse 6? It says, For you have made me most blessed forever. You have made me exceedingly glad with your presence. The, the present in our presence. Do you understand how special that is? That, that God not only gives us rest in his presence, but we are blessed forever according to Psalm chapter 21 verse 6. And also he gives us joy or exceeding gladness in his presence. Uh, more joy than you could have anticipating that Christmas day or the opening of any present. And of course... You know, I, I understand being in now a, in a, an adult setting, not, not over there in the Sunday school rooms, but, but in an adult setting, what happens to the um, uh, type of our presence? Yeah, they're, they're no longer, you know, uh, toys. They're, you know, expensive toys, right? They're, they're faster. They're, they're bigger. They're more expensive. We understand that as we grow up. Or it switches to, like with, you know, Emily and I, you know, wanting our sons to, you know, be able to go to college or, or to afford those nicer things, right? We, we, we all understand that. In the case of God with us, it's the most amazing presence that we have that gives us rest. That gives us blessings forever, exceeding gladness. Now, in order to understand what it means for God with us, sometimes we have to take a, a, a step back and understand what it means to be absent from God. You see, in the very next chapter in the Psalms, uh, Psalm 22 we, we read one of the most heartbreaking of all the Psalms in the Bible. And it starts with this phrase. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? What is that saying? It's the opposite of Emmanuel, right? Instead of God being with us, what is it saying? God, why have you forsaken me? Now, this was written by David, 
And, and we all know that God was with David all the time. That, that when he's crying this, this cry out, uh, God, God was still with David. We know that. But for his great, 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 great grandson, of whom this predicts, uh, the, the one who this was actually written for some thousand years later, Jesus Christ, as he was nailed to that cross, screaming out this phrase from the very cross itself, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The very quote from this first verse of Psalm 22. Experiencing the full punishment for my sins. And your sins, by the way. And what happened on that cross? We understand that the full payment of our sins was accomplished on that cross. Paid for us on that cross. We, we, we understand that, maybe intellectually, we, we understand that, you know, in terms of a, a salvation experience. But do you understand the full extent of what Jesus did on the cross for us? It, to, to take the opposite of what it means to be Emmanuel and experiencing separation from the Father for the first time in eternity. And crying on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You see, we, we know that Jesus died for our sins. But to take the full penalty of all our sins on his body, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him, right? He experienced all the punishment for us. So he experienced our death. He experienced the payment of our sins, the full wrath of God poured out upon us. We know that. But what does it mean for us without God to die? What does that truly mean? You see, we, we know, and, and the pastor says this every week, what is the true definition of heaven? What is the true definition of heaven? Heaven is heaven because of what? Jesus is there. What is hell? Hell is hell because... And we know it's brimstone, fire, smell of sulfur, torment for eternity. But, but the true definition, what does hell mean? The absence of God. God not there separation from God forever. What did Jesus experience on the cross for you and me? If he took the full penalty of my sin, if he took the full penalty of your sin, crying there on the cross, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
he experienced real separation from God. He experienced the forsaking of God there on the cross. The the prediction that his great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, David, the writer of Psalm 22, wrote. In fact, this psalm, Psalm 22, is the most descriptive uh, terms that we can see in the whole Bible, more than any of the the single one of the Gospels, more, more than Matthew by itself, more than even Luke by itself, is described in Psalm 22. I had the privilege of speaking uh, through the, this psalm on a Wednesday night. Uh, I think it was July 10th. You can look it up. This is the abridged form, okay? Uh, in, in verses 1 and 2, we read about the forsaking of God. Psalm 22, 1 and 2, it says, My God, my God, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and am not uh, silent. What is being experienced here? The opposite of the present and our presence in the present. The, the opposite of what it means to be God with us. A, a forsaking by God. Now again, David did not truly experience this. This, this is a prediction of what would happen to his, his son. Now he felt like God had forsaken him. But God, of course, had not forsaken David. Or in verses 7 and 8, we read this. Again, looking forward to the death of his great-great-great-great-great-grandson, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Verses 7 and 8, we read this. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lips. They shake the head saying, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. What did people scream from below the cross as they're mocking Jesus Christ. Call down your legion of angels, Jesus. See if God will save you. And did Jesus do that? Did Jesus ever once leave that cross? Why? Because he was Emmanuel. The present in our presence in the present. Or, or verse 14, Psalm 22, verse 14, it says, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is well melted uh, within me. What happened to the very heart of Jesus Christ there on the cross? What was it that truly held him there? Was it just the nails? No. It was his love for you and me, right? His, his love for us. He, he experienced the full punishment of our sin. The, the payment, the full wrath of God and the separation from the one he was with from eternity past. Or, or, or verse 15 My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. What did Jesus cry out from the cross? One of the seven things that Jesus cried out from the cross 
that, that he was experiencing physically, he said, I thirst. I, I thirst. A prediction of, of this very text. What was it like to be there on the cross with, with no water, no, no any, not any form of, uh, of moisture at all? What, what was that like to have that dry mouth? Descriptively described by his great, 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 great grandfather, David, by the way. A, a, a form of, of torture that wasn't even invented when David wrote this text. To, to understand what that lack of moisture in the mouth means. Where, where your very tongue clings to the roof of your mouth because there is no moisture in it. Or, or, or verse 16 what does it say in Psalm 22, verse 16? For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation have, have the wicked has enclosed me. What does it describe? They have pierced my hands and my feet. The very form of torture that the Romans had invented to crucify Jesus on the cross. Taking the full penalty of, of my sins and your sins. So that we could have a present from God in our presence in the present. This, this is what Jesus did for us. Or uh, the last uh, two verses that we'll mention from this text here. Uh, verses 17 and 18. What does it describe the very physical body of Jesus Christ as he's hanging there on the nails on the cross? Written a thousand years before it even happened, by the way. What does it say in verses 17 and 18? I can count all my bones. They look, they stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. Accurate prophecies, accurate predictions of what would happen to Jesus. The gift given to us as our present so he could be present with us in the present. This is what Jesus endured on the cross. To, to be hanging there by those nails... And what did the people see in this, this body? What did he actually look like? The, the, the cute little baby born in the manger that we see now? No, it was the, the thin man who, whose bones were literally being seen through his skin. Gaunt. I'm able to count all my bones as they jeer and as they laugh at me, as they are there at the foot of the cross casting lots for my clothing. Jesus there hanging naked, nailed to the cross. And why did he do it? Why did he do it? I know we don't, we don't preach this this time of year because we're, we're talking about the present. But the present, the gift was there hanging on the cross so we could experience his present now in the present. 
So, so we understand the opposite. We, 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 we hopefully get a, a grasp of what that means. Jesus was separated from God so that we would never, ever, ever have to. So, so that I would never have to say, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. So I myself, the one whose sins he bore on the cross, would never have to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Instead, I can say, Emmanuel, God with me, God with us, the present in my presence in the present, the gift intimately with me. There, there's other verses that talk about the presence of God in our lives. You look a little bit further on in Psalm 139, it says, where can I go from your spirit or, or where can I flee from your presence? We've all heard this verse before, right? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I, I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I, I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. And your right hand shall hold me. If you believe in God, can you ever leave his presence? No. He, he is there with us intimately. And as David is writing this psalm, he, he imagines being able to go to the, the farthest places in the universe. And guess what? God will still be there. The, the farthest places on the planet, guess what? God will still be with you in your presence. Or Psalms 140, the very next chapter. <clears throat> Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. Or Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence beyond the veil. You see, when this uh, prophecy was written way back in the time of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Emmanuel, God with us, where was the presence of God? Behind a veil in the Holy of Holies. A, a, a place where only the high priest could enter once a year. What can we now experience, as Hebrews says? What can we now experience, as David wrote? We can experience the very presence of God behind the veil. The present in our presence. In the present. We, we've talked about the present. The, the gift. We've talked about his, his presence in our lives. Do you understand the third term? When is he with us? Now. Now. In the present. We, we, we don't have to look in the past. We don't have to hope in the future. He is here with us 
now. The very definition of his name, by the way, uh, given to Moses. You, you all know this text in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, or 13 and 14. You, you know this. The very name of God himself. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? Moses had that question. What, what, what will I, or who will I say, sent me? What is your name, God? What shall I say to them, Moses says. And in verse 14... God answers. And you've heard this before. You've you've heard all this before, by the way. We we hear this throughout the year. But now to to truly put it together and understand that this is what Christmas actually means. This, This is what the birth of our Savior actually means. Emmanuel, God with us. What does God say? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. What tense is that in? What tense is that in? The present tense. The the present in our presence in the present. Now. The very name of God. I am with you. Or in John chapter 8 verse 58. Jesus says the exact same thing by the way. Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you. Before Abraham was. What does the last two words say? You know it. Read it. What does it say? I am. Horrible grammar. Great theology. Before Abraham was the past, I am, I was already in existence. I am now all the time. The eternity stepping into our presence now. The the one who existed outside of time, Jesus Christ, now coming into time now. And that term is always applicable every second of every day, by the way. Now, the present, God is with me. Now, 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 now. The present in my presence in the present. Emmanuel, God with us. Now turn with me to the last book of the Bible. Been going through this, by the way, on, on uh, Wednesday mornings, the, 
the men that, that meet on Wednesday mornings, we've been going through the book of Revelation, and in the, this very uh, second to last chapter in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 21, verse 3, it reads this, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with man. This is written about the future, but what is the tense? It's the present tense. Where does God dwell? Here with us now. The gift of God located with us now. The present. In our presence. In the present. Now. All the time with us. If you know God, is he in your presence in the present now? Yes, he is. It continues on in Revelation chapter 21 verse 3 and it says, And he will dwell with them, they shall be his people, God himself shall be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. What does that mean? You see, the only thing that that we, we understand that we'll be in heaven, we get to experience the presence of Jesus Christ even now. Heaven itself now in the present. God with us. Emmanuel. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that should truly just, just blow us away. And, and the Bible is so succinct. I mean, it's, it summarizes everything. All, all this, you know, whatever, hour-long sermon. How, how does the Bible describe it? It describes it in one word. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. There's an amazing hymn. And, and of course, you know, uh, you, you guys, you guys know me, and I always like to, you know, hopefully uh, be able to uh, bring up a, a hymn. And and there's a perfect hymn that goes right along with this. It says, "O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears." There are several verses that. That we're going to hopefully be able to sing and, and, and that, that we normally don't sing this time of year. But, but, but in verse 3 of the, of the ones that I, I chose, it, it says, O come, O key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe for us the heavenward road and bar the way to death's abode. What, what does Emmanuel mean? What, what does it mean, God with us? We get to experience eternity with God now. Now. Or, or verse 4, it says, O come, O 
bright and morning star and bring us comfort from afar. Dispel the shadows of the night and turn our darkness into light. The very presence of God giving us rest, blessing, and exceeding gladness. The presence in our presence in the present. Emmanuel. Sing with me if you wouldn't mind. And by the way, please stand up. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. And come to thee, O Israel. O come, O branch of Jesse's stem, unto your own and rescue them. From depths of hell your people save, and give them victory o'er the grave. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, O key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe for us the heavenward road and bar the way to death's abode. Rejoice! Rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, O bright and morning star, and bring us comfort from afar. Dispel the shadows of the night, and turn our darkness into light. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, O King of nations, bind in one the hearts of all mankind. Bid all our sad division cease, and be yourself the King of peace. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. So, Father, we thank you for, for always fulfilling your promises. As we've been learning from Pastor Mike on Sunday mornings, as we've been going through this amazing book of Matthew, that, that you truly fulfill every single one of your promises. And this most important of those promises, Emmanuel uh, coming to earth to be with us. The, the most improbable thing that could ever have been predicted, a virgin giving birth to a son and calling his name Emmanuel. 
Thank you for being our present, our gift here with us in our presence now in the present. Our, our, our present in our presence in the present. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, help us to celebrate. Help, help us to celebrate this time of year and throughout the year as we remember what you did for us. Sending your son the gift that we can have in the most intimate way in our lives. Located with us now in the present. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.